married, and uh, 46 years ago, I stopped by my favorite place at the time and not hers. And uh, so I guess that speaks a lot about our marriage. She had to put up with a lot through 46 years. Uh, we do have something that we want to make a mention of. You can be seated just for a moment, and then we'll read the word. Uh, we do have some waiver forms. Uh, this is for the Christian Community Center down here. Uh, you have to be part of a youth group in order to uh, go, and, and you go for free. And I'm telling you, I went down there yesterday, and they asked me to have prayer over the facility and the workers and all of that. That is, uh, you know, some people that do things, they do it just to say they've done something. They did this first class. This is first class. Getty Land doesn't hold a lot. I'm telling you, Getty Land doesn't hold a lot to what's down here. And uh, even some things that I have seen in Gatlinburg do not hold a lot to what is down here. We are blessed above measure in this community because somebody looked and said, you know what, it would be a good thing to have all of our youth a place to go and they play Christian music and they began to just have a great gathering and they have all of this going on and and I mean they have every every type of thing you can think of they have a, a place a little kitchen for uh, you know pizza serving pizza and all that picnic area uh, they bought more land so they can do parking because uh, they have a vision that that's going to be one of the biggest attractions here in Phelps and it's only for Christian people and that's what I want to stress. And I know Facebook has downed Phelps and that center to the dogs because of, uh, oh, they ought to let everybody in. No, it's for Christians. It's for Christians. And, uh, and if you want your child to be the star football player, baseball player, basketball player, that's fine. But if they're not part of a youth group, they can't go down here for free. And I mean, everything's free. And when you go in there, I'm talking, you, you are going to be simply amazed. We've been to the trampoline place at Pikeville after VBS. Guess what? It, it is way, 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 way better than the Pikeville trampoline place. It's better than Gettyland. It's better than any of the bouncy castles that we have or anybody else has. So here's the, here's the thing that we're all going to do is after, you know, our VBS, when we have our lock-in, instead of driving to Pikeville or some other place, we're just going to go right down the road right here. And so what we need to do, though, you as parents, uh, if you have a child under 18 years of age, you have to fill these out and sign it. If you're 18 and over, you have to sign it uh, yourself if you're going to go. And uh, so um, the second page is just for those 18 and over. So if your child is 18 and under, you go to the third page, and that's where you fill out that information. So you go to the first page, and you're going to fill out a little uh, thing down here at the bottom, and then you're going to fill out the last page. And then you're going to turn that back into us. And once this is on file, you don't have to fill this out anymore. Uh, if you remember our VBSs, we had to fill them out just about every time we did anything. Uh, this is going to be put on file, and it'll be forever. So uh, that's a good thing. How many's glad that there is a place here in Phelps that we can have lock-ins? 
I'm looking forward to our rallies. I'm looking forward to BBS. I'm looking forward to uh, just, I mean, we can go at any time. We have to, of course, schedule. And uh, they said if we schedule and somebody else schedules and wants the same date, if it's not too big of a crowd, uh, they will take both churches. And uh, nothing wrong with that, right? Uh, nothing wrong with playing with other kids in the community. And uh, so uh, it's just a great first-class facility, uh, and uh, we need volunteers because when our church goes, we have to have people from this church that is going to oversee the kids, and uh, you're going to help them with the uh, things they're doing, keeping them safe, hooking them up, unhooking them, uh, you know, making sure if somebody's standing there hanging 10 feet in there, you can get them down, and all these things, so uh, we need, yes. All right, all right, we got one helper, and uh, Brother Chris is a helper, and uh, I, I, uh, Sister Tennille, Brother Larry, you going to help? I, saw, I thought I saw your hand, I didn't know if you were scratching or something. <laughs> Sister uh, Heather, a help. So we, we'll, we'll announce this uh, when we get ready to have a lock-in, uh, we will announce uh, when we're going to go, and that way everybody can come together and, uh, and you might want to just find out when the next event is. Yesterday was open house. That was for the whole community to come and see what. Uh, and, and I know uh, the persons that do this, uh, they, they are very humble about what they've done. And I, I told them, though, uh, I told them, yeah, uh, they said, give God glory. I said, I am. I said, but God uses people. And so I'm thankful I'm thankful as a pastor of this church and youth group and all that we do with our youth, and we know what it takes to do a lot with the youth, uh, that somebody like Woody Barker and also Hodge Harden uh, have come together with volunteers all across this. Uh, Petey's been there basically from day one, uh, all volunteers in this community to put it together and make it work. And uh, open house was yesterday. Where else you going to go and get a catered, catered, uh, you know, uh, uh, beef, uh, I guess, uh, what, what do you call that? Yeah, there you go. Uh, and, and you got that for free. As many sandwiches as you wanted, you got to eat them all. And uh, ice cream truck come in, ice cream trailer, and uh, they had all sorts of stuff, and all of it was free. And somebody had to pay for that. And uh, I'm going to tell you, that building is not cheap. It's not second rate. It's top of the line. So if you happen to see Woody Barker or Hodge Harden out, be sure to thank them. Be sure to thank them. Don't look at them and say, well, praise God, you know, y'all did something. No, thank them. I told him, I said, I thank you for doing something for this community. I'm, I'm glad people are looking at Phelps and saying, we need to do something. Amen. Instead of writing us off as just uh, something that's had a passing fad, they're trying to invest to get youth back in church and, and back serving the Lord. And it's not just their youth groups. They're looking for all uh, youth groups to be a part of that and all churches in the area. So with that said, uh, we'll be passing out these. We'll have these available back. Everybody say magazine rack. That's that little rack on the left side. We're going to have those back there. You can pick one up. 
You can pick two up. You can pick a stack up if you want. But when we run out, be sure to come and tell me so we can run off some more uh, because we want to have everybody ready to go our next event. I don't know when the next event will be. That'll be up to our Sunday school leaders and our youth department leaders. That they're the ones that's going to have to get the kids together and make this planning. And so uh, we're going to uh, try our best to set some ground rules uh, that uh, nobody likes rules. Everybody say everybody hates rules. Everybody hates rules. But we're going to set some ground rules. You're not just going to show up when we're going to an event. If you're going to let your kid be a part of this, they have to attend the majority, like our Sunday school classes, the majority of attendance. And uh, we're going to set either you can miss two uh, in a quarter, two services or two youth services, something like that, uh, or maybe uh, three for youth service just due to parents being on vacation and other things during the summer. But we'll get together with the, with the leaders of the youth in Sunday school and we'll talk about this and we'll set some ground rules uh, because we don't want it to be a thing that somebody shows up only to go there and then the next Sunday we don't see them and so uh, we're not going to we're not going to play those games uh, we're going to uh, try to build up a youth service and a Sunday school department that will love Jesus first and fun second amen but it is a great place, and uh, let's just give the Lord a mighty hand for all of that. I wanted to say that. I, I went down and to see it personally. I got the waivers. Uh, I went ahead and put our church on the bottom because they said they forgot to do that. So I put our church name on the bottom, and uh, so we will have everything ready. You just fill it out and uh, turn it back in. And once you turn it back in, you can turn it in uh, to Petey. You can turn it in to uh, any of our youth leaders, and they'll get it to Petey. And I'm just going to kind of designate Petey as the person that makes sure that, uh, that the director gets them uh, before we get there so that we don't uh, show up and have to fill out forms. Uh, we can do that, but who wants to? You know, kids don't want to sit there, oh, hurry, hurry, I see a mountain rock, I want to climb, you know. So you don't want that to go on. So uh, we want to try to get all of these filled out. And it's just going to be a great thing for this community. I think that, uh, I think that some people have, have awoken uh, to this area and realized that drugs, iPads, iPhones uh, have taken our kids, stolen our kids. And now they want to try to turn it around. Um, and, and I want to help them. I'm going to help them turn it around. I'm going to do my best to help them turn it around. I don't always get it right. I don't always know how to do it, but I will be willing to do it. And so uh, we will be involved in that from time to time, especially our lock-ins. It's going to be a great time uh, just to uh, take a group of people down there. After a rally, have a lock-in and pizza. That's, that's just going to be a great time. And I hope you get excited about it. And I hope that you will stop by and just take a tour. When, it, when you see somebody there, they don't care a bit for adults coming. Now, you can't take your kids unannounced and all that. We've got a schedule. But you can stop by. You can look at it. And you can uh, begin to just see what great things and money invested in this area. It started out to be an ambulance service. And God closed that door. And open this door. Because sometimes God does close doors. 
And the reason he closes doors, he's got another open. He wants you to go in a different direction. So I'm thankful that they listened to the Lord. And uh, they have put in a lot of work. They said the past year, I guess year and a half, past year and a half, they've been working on that. And then had opening uh, open house yesterday. Beautiful facility. Great place for our kids. I would like to mention this to the church. You know how we got the mister that, that sprays disinfectant everywhere because of COVID when COVID was bad? Uh, I told them about that. And if it's okay with the church, we'll let them use it. And if they like it, I would like for the church to donate one to them. Buy one and donate it to them. Does that sound okay? Because if you have to wipe, I said, uh, I asked them yesterday, I said, you have to wipe everything down by hand, you know, because if that's the case, a lot of workers are going to have a lot of work because it's a huge place. And uh, they said, well, uh, they did the other day, uh, we don't know what we're going to do. And I mentioned that and they said, oh, that sounds good. That sounds like that's what we need because that, that fogger will actually blow as high as the ceiling and other stuff. So uh, I think it's going to be a good thing for them. And uh, thank you for loving the Lord. Thank you for loving kids. Thank you for loving me when I'm unlovable because I'm not always lovable. And I thank you for the dinner Friday for me and my wife. We had a tremendous time here at the church. Thank you for all the gifts. Jimmy Dove, I'm still at awe at what you bought me. Now, I appreciate the Starbucks cards, right? You know me. I'm a Starbucks guy. But I want to tell you something. He bought something that, that, that got my heart because I'm a, I'm a tabernacle plan teaching person. And he bought an Ark of the Covenant. And it's, it's all gold and, and nice. And, and I, when I saw it, I just went to tears because it touched my heart. Thank you for that. Thank you for all the Starbucks, the, uh, the steakhouse, the other cards that you have given uh, the, the money you gave, uh, the well wishes, the food was tremendous, man. I ate another bowl of PD Special Blend last night and uh, about 10 o'clock and uh, went to sleep and slept like a baby. So uh, I don't know if that was the meatballs and weenies or if that was just me being overwhelmed and tired. But uh, one, one or the other made me sleep well. But with that said, I, want, I wanted to uh, make mention of all that because we'll make mention again after a while uh, when everybody else gets in the sanctuary. Thank you for being here and being a part of that celebration. 46 years is a milestone, and it's something that a lot of people never reach. And even people that want to stay married never reach it because of the loss of a spouse. And uh, so uh, we certainly uh, are thankful unto the Lord that we have been married 46 and uh, looking for 46 more, that would be 90, what, 92 years of marriage, 80, 92 years of marriage, yeah, that would be, oh, that's a lot of marriage, that's a long time. My wife said she didn't want to live that long, and uh, I don't know if that was meaning she didn't want to live that long with me, or she just didn't want to live that long, period, but um, I appreciate everybody that did that on, on Friday, that was such a nice event. Uh, also, uh, we want to make mention, 11th anniversary service at Pipeful Apostolic Church is coming up on the 17th. That's just next Sunday. And uh, we're only going to have one service next Sunday. Uh, we're going to have uh, Brother 
uh, we're going to have Brother Harper here. And so uh, we're going to start at 11 instead of, I think it's 11. They say we're going to come practice at 10. Is that what it was? 10. So uh, 11 will be the service time uh, for next Sunday. So uh, if you see somebody uh, that uh, is not here today, be sure to tell them because they'll show up at 10. The gates will be shut. Everything will be locked up. And they'll be wondering, you know, why ain't we having Sunday school? Uh, so keep keep that in mind. Next Sunday, uh, we'll have Brother Harper here for one service only. And then we're going to Pipe for Apostolic Church. And we're going to have uh, a uh, celebration of 11 years of uh, celebrating what the Lord has done at Pipe for Apostolic Church. And I know there's a lot of people in the past that used to be over Pipe for Apostolic Church. And they're saying, no, it was in January. And some says, no, it was in December. And, and I said it what I wanted to said it because I'm pastor at the time. So um, it is going to be celebrated next Sunday, and that will be at 2 p.m. Cookout following. Going to have a great time cookout and uh, be out under the picnic shelter. So we're going to have a great time. We hope all of you can go. If all of you can't, we understand. But we hope all of you can because Pipeful Apostolic Church is worth the effort of trying to support them in prayer and attendance. Amen. Uh, homecoming service. Everybody say homecoming service. It is coming up October the 21st, 7 p.m., Saturday and Sunday, October the 22nd at 11 a.m. Brother George Scott, I talked to him. He's excited about coming, and we're expecting the Lord to do some great things. So that'll be Saturday, October the 21st at 7 p.m., Sunday, October the 22nd at 11 a.m., Harvest Time Crusade, Friday, November the 17th, 7 p.m., Brother Buddy Puckett. Saturday, November the 18th, 7 p.m., Brother James Chesser. And Sunday, November the 19th, 11 a.m., Brother Michael Maupin. So I'm excited about these services. And uh, if they get to put a Christmas program together, it will be on the second Sunday in December. And that will be around 6 o'clock that we will have it. And uh, so we're looking forward to that. I saw that there was two people signed up in the back uh, already. So uh, hopefully some more will sign up and Sister Pam can get all the stuff together for the kids and uh, who's, who's going to help and all of that. Um, we have some prayer requests we want to make mention of. Uh, we have, uh, of course, uh, give you the last, I guess, ten that's on the list. And uh, we want to remember Allie and Daniel Scott. Uh, Tina Parsons, Leona Williams, Kaylee Tackett, Barbara Mullins, Shirley Sloan, Lindsay Le LeBlanc, Tito Ratliff. Uh, she is in Lexington, and they're trying to uh, make a decision where she needs to go for her rehab. So uh, we're hoping that they can get a, uh, a good place, uh, you know, um, for her and uh, get her rehab without any problems. And uh, let's remember Sue Bain, Rebecca James, Paxton Bentley, and Whitley. Let's remember all of these in prayer. And if you have a prayer request, just by the raising of your hand, the Lord sees that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's stand and let's go to the Lord in prayer. 
Lord, we come before your presence and we thank you for this opportunity that you have blessed us to be gathered here today to worship you and to give you honor. I pray, Lord, that you would move in a mighty way for not only the Christian Community Center, but all the volunteers, that it will be a place for the children, Lord, to have lock-ins and, and after-service events. And Lord, I pray that you would move in a mighty, miraculous way for each and every one on our prayer list that needs a touch of healing. Sister Tito, that needs you, Lord, and needs you to continue to touch her body with strength and balance and ability to uh, get released and go home. And Lord, we ask that you would move in a mighty way for everyone here today who raised their hand. You know their situations, their circumstances, and we give you the praise in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen, amen. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand. Just a scripture here uh, found in 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse number 45 and verse number 46. It begins to say, Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. Whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. This is little David. He's got some big words for a big giant. How many has ever heard somebody say, that's awful big words for a little man? Well, David had some big words, even though he was just a youth. And we know the outcome of it. But he wanted to prove not that he was a good giant slayer, that he was to be king or he was to be revered, he said, I want you to know there's a God in Israel. And that's what we got to get back to. We got to get back to it's not about me, it's not about you, it's not about anybody else. It's about there is a God in Phelps. There is a God in Kentucky. There is a God in the U.S. Amen. You may be seated. The truth about God is he always fights our battles. He is the God of battles. I believe that sometimes we need to remember every battle we have is something that when we try to fight it ourselves, it becomes a mess. The flesh makes a mess. But God takes care of business. God takes care of business. I'm glad that David was looking not to impress his brothers who asked him, why are you here? You just come to see what's going on, ain't you? And uh, he wasn't there to impress Saul, the king. He wasn't there to impress the armies of Israel. In fact, he wasn't even there to build up him on, his own self as, as either a king or anointed as the chosen one of the Lord. But he was there just to prove one thing. There is a God in Israel. 
When you take a small person doing big things, you take a small church doing big things, you take a small community and they do big things, you know that there is a God in this place. I know that sometimes we look and we say, well, that's just because someone's talented or someone has ability or someone has money or someone has uh, intellect. But no, it's all because there is a God in this place. I'm glad that we have God in this house. I'm glad that he's not only in this house, he's in our lives. I'm glad that when you receive the Holy Ghost, you receive the presence of the Lord in your life. And I believe that we need to understand just like David was trying to prove to the masses. We're not out to try to prove anything about ourselves as cornerstone. We're not trying to build up a youth department so we can brag about how many we got. That'll get you a quick uh, de uh, defecting of a youth department. But I tell you what we are here to say if God can bring youth in, if God can bring adults in, if God can fill this church, if God can bless this community, if God can give us facilities and the tools to be able to reach the lost uh, then we all must proclaim it's about God. There is a God in this place. I've heard people say about Phelps and other places, it's a God-forsaken place. It's not God-forsaken. It is, it is got its problems like every other small town. But we've got to look at this place as more than just a God-forsaken place. we got to look at it as saying God is in this place. And if he can, it, amen. If he can bring people out of Sodom and Gomorrah, if he can bring Noah out of an unrighteous world, if he can bring people through valleys and, and, and oceans and, or seas, I should say, and bring them through desert land and bring them through prisons and lion's den and fiery furnaces, that proves one thing. There is a God in this place. I'd like to say... That every story we read in the Bible from David and Goliath to the three uh, Hebrew boys in the fiery furnace to Daniel in the lion's den to all of the other stories that we all begin to read and enjoy, we understand it's not about the person. We say, oh, Moses was great. No, Moses was a stutterer, just an ordinary man. We look and we say, oh, Paul must have been something phenomenal. No, he was just a man, educated, yes, but he was just a man. We look and we say, oh, it must have been something Peter must have really been something else because he stood up on the day of Pentecost and preached the message of salvation that all of us embrace even today. But you know what? Peter was just a mouthy disciple. We find that if we begin to read the Word of God, we're going to see ourselves in every disciple. We're going to see ourselves in every city. We're going to see ourselves in every circumstance. We're going to see ourselves in every event. Why? Because God wants you to know you're going to go through the same stuff, but it's not about us. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about Him, and He is in this place. So... David 
made his speech that day. He looked and he said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and a spear and a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. Now, I know there's a lot of people try to read a lot of stuff into that. You come to me with a, with a sword, a spear, and a shield. Three things. A lot of people try to read a lot into that. But I come to you in the name of the Lord. <laughs> Whether you want to read that in that or not, I'm going to tell you, I look at it not in the three to one. I'm looking at it in the natural and the spiritual. Because every time you try to fight things in the natural, you're going to find frustrations. You're going to find disappointments. You're going to find setbacks. You're going to find all sorts of heartache. But if you fight things in the Spirit, guess what? Things are going to triumph. You're going to come out of that valley with your head lifted high. Amen. You're going to come through your situation with victory in your song. You're going to come with a smile on your face and say, My God is good. How many believes that God is good this morning? So he said, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. I'm not worried about coming to you in David's name or Jesse's name. Remember, Jesse had all these sons, and they went through the whole lineup. And, and, uh, and you know, the prophet said, you got any more? And he said, well, I got one more. He's just a little boy, and he's out here watching sheep. Sometimes it's the unforgotten, like we studied, I think, last week, uh, the unforgotten that becomes the uh, realized, the hero, from zero to hero. And we find that, that David and Goliath, this situation is not for us just to have a nice little story to talk to in Sunday school to kids. This is a story of, for adults. This is for us today that we can understand that there's going to be giants that we all face. They're not going to be in the human form. They may be in the, uh, in the intellect form. They may be in the depressive form. They may be oppression. They may be a lot of stuff that comes against you that feels like it's so big, so bad, so terrible. Things are just so awful that there's no way you can win the battle. But you know what? You can't by yourself. But if you'll be like David and say, I'm coming in the name of the Lord. Amen. Every battle I face, I'm coming in the name of the Lord. Every valley I go through, I'm going in the name of the Lord. Every mountain I got to climb, I'm going to say I'm climbing. Maybe up the rough side of the mountain, but I'm climbing. I'm not going to give up climbing. Look at somebody say I'm not going to give up climbing I'm not going to give up climbing you see there's something about this story that ought to begin to uh, instill in us the joy of proclaiming God is in this place there's, uh, there's something that if God is not in a place it is a place of deadness it's a place of humanity it's a place of ideas and ideologies and ideologies, if you will. It's a place of a lot of uh, things that people think is, is the way church should be and church should happen and all this. That's all in the natural. You know, coming to church on Sunday morning is a natural thing. Man made this. You knew that, right? Because if you read your Bible, the, the tabernacle and then the temple, all heirs. The synagogue, all heirs. 
There was no set time. Church that we know as what we know as church wasn't really church in the Bible. Because the Bible, they got up and they read the word and usually the law and then they sat down and discussed it. And usually it's just the elders. Usually it was just the elders, the men. Uh, it was no women involved, no children involved and all these things. So church that we have today is different than what was done in biblical times. Now am I saying we should revert back to that? No, I'm saying that our culture has a way that if we're going to reach people, sometimes it's on Sunday morning. Sometimes it's Sunday night. Sometimes it's Wednesday. But I think the church should be available. We as the church should be available 24-7. I think that it's not only the pastor. I think, I think everybody ought to be available 24-7. Somebody has a need, you could run and help them. You could be right there. You could be Johnny on the spot or Sally on the spot. I think that's what we need to understand. That's what people are needing today. They don't need a church that just opens up on Sunday and does their thing and then goes about their way the rest of the week. They need a church that's going to be an example and going to say, God is in this place. God is in my life. God is using me to reach people. That's what you got to say. you got to realize the devil don't want you to reach nobody. He don't want you to reach nobody. He don't want you to talk to nobody. He don't want you to think of nobody during the week in your prayer time. He don't want you to do any of that. He just wants you to just kind of sit and just be quiet. And if you can sit and be quiet, then the devil's happy. But you know what? We ought to be declaring God's in this place. I can't sit in church and just sit on a pew. God's in this place. I can't just come to a Sunday morning service at 10 a.m. and just go through the motions. God is in this place. I, I can't just show up. God is in this place. I, I can't just sing a song. God is in this place. I, I can't just be a musician or be a preacher or a deacon or, or a Sunday school teacher or just a lay member. I can't just be that because God is in this place and if God is in this place then we ought to declare we got victory and we're going to overcome we're going to get through the things that are thrown in our way I believe that Saul had an interview with David David was not old enough to be part of this conflict he was he was just a lad he wasn't even supposed to be there and uh, so he had a he had a, a conversation with him and um, he was only there on that fateful day because his father was wanting to know the well-being of the other sons who were in battle. He said, I want you to go and I want you to check out how your brothers are doing. You see, when David showed up, his brothers jump on him first thing. And, and, and David, you know, what have I done now? Well, you just come out here to see and spectate and be entertained by this battle. No, daddy sent me. You know, not only did daddy send him, he, he also gave him some food for him to take. I think that it's interesting that the very one they wanted to destroy was there to try to feed them and encourage them and give a good report. Daddy wants to know how you're doing. You see, some of us need to go into the battle when somebody's fighting the battle and say, how you doing? Some of us need to look at somebody going through a battle and we need to look at them and say, how you doing? How's it going in this battle? Are you winning? 
Are you getting discouraged? Are you overwhelmed? Are you happy? Here's, here's some food and just in case you need a little more strength in the battle. Right? You got to give people the word. You can't give them your opinion. Your opinion don't feed nobody. But, but we got to give them the word. We got to show them, hey, this is what you need. You feel a little weak. You feel a little overwhelmed. Here's some bread. Yeah, amen. You see, sometimes we just need to know that somebody's coming to the battle not just to see us fall, not just to see us mess up, not just to see us struggling, but to see how we're doing. That's why when we go and we check on one another and we call up one another, it should be, how you doing? How's it going today? When's the last time you called somebody up in the church and you asked them how they're doing? When's the last time you talked to somebody in the church? When's the last time you talked to the pastor? When's the last time you've talked to the deacon? When's the last time you've talked to musicians? When's the last time you talked to each other? You see, it's getting quiet, so you're telling on yourself. You got to understand that there's got to be something that says, I got to check on my brother and my sister who's going through a battle. I got to reassure them God's in this place. I got to reassure them God's in the battle. I got to reassure them that everything's going to be all right, that God's going to take care of it all. But Saul's interview with David after arriving, his brothers began to just jump on him. They began to say, what's going on? Why are you here? And um, after arriving, his reunion with his brothers was cut short when that terrible voice which all the army had become all too accustomed to. Some people say it's familiar. I say accustomed to. When you get accustomed to Goliath's voice, it don't bother you anymore. When the devil stands up and brags about what he's going to do to the church, ain't going to be nobody saved, ain't going to be nobody do nothing, ain't going to be nobody prosper, nobody's going to do anything great. When we get used to hearing that voice, you know what? We don't care anymore because we're getting accustomed. Oh, that's just Goliath. Oh, uh, no, we can't, we can't win this battle because Goliath's standing there. No, we can't move forward because Goliath is there. No, we can't overcome this situation because Goliath is there. But I'm accustomed to his voice. What he's saying don't bother me anymore. You know what he was saying? Goliath was defying the armies of the living God. He was, he was up there bragging what he was going to do to the armies. It's just like bragging. I'm going to tear God's people down. I'm going to scatter God's I'm going to feed God's people to the carcass. I'm going, uh, their carcasses to the fowls of the air. I'm going to do all of this. And, and, and they got accustomed to it. Yeah, it's just Goliath out there again. Every morning he comes out here. That's just him. That's just the way he is. You see, sometimes we get accustomed to the way things are. And, and that's why when we really want to have revival, or our family's falling apart, or our family is, is being drugged back into the world or drugged into hell, we just kind of just let it happen because we're used to the voice. We're used to the voice that says, this is what I'm going to do. Okay, go ahead. Well, he's doing it again. Goliath's taking somebody out again. Goliath's overcoming somebody again. But there's got to be a David in our day. 
that's got to stand up and say, we got to quit listening to the giant. we got to quit being accustomed to what he's saying. We're the people of God. we got victory in our veins. So somebody's got to stand up. I'm pretty sure that after this, uh, you know, choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. So it was about who you're going to serve. You see, the battle today is against good and evil. The battle really is about who you're going to serve, the devil or the Lord. That's all it's about. It's not about, you know, whose church is the biggest, who has the best, who, who does this and who doesn't. No, that's, that's immaterial. What is happening is good and evil is clashing. And we're finding that we got to choose whom we're going to serve. Are we going to serve Jesus or are we going to serve the giant? So we find something interesting, I think. Because it's all about who you're going to serve. And uh, Goliath said, okay, if you prevail against me, we'll serve you. If you prevail against us, we'll serve you. But if I prevail against you, you have to serve us. You see, it was a challenge. The devil always challenges your service. Who are you going to serve? Who are you going to worship? That's right. It's always a challenge. The devil's always coming before our faces. And he's saying, who are you serving? You're going to serve yourself? You're going to serve the devil? You're going to serve, uh, you know, emotions? Or are you going to serve Jesus? Who are you going to serve? Well, you know, that was the battle in heaven. When Lucifer got kicked out of heaven, it was a battle. And it really wasn't a battle. Because the Lord really don't have to fight. He just speaks and things are, you know, annihilated. So uh, when he kicked Lucifer out of heaven, he didn't literally grab him by the nap of the neck and the belt loops and then drop kicked him out of heaven. He just cast him out. And he was gone. And third, the angels with him. And uh, when you look at that, you begin to see why was that going on in heaven? It was a challenge of who you're going to serve. That's all it was. It was a challenge. Are you going to serve Lucifer and a third of the angels? Because Remember Lucifer? When he was a musical angel and he had his pipes within him and he was all that and a bag of chips in heaven and he was thinking, you know what? I'd really like to be served like God. I'd like to have a throne like God. I'd like to have people bow to me. I'd like to have people worship me. I'd like to have all of this adoration. That's what Lucifer was wanting. He didn't want God to get it. He wanted it. And, and that's the problem with a lot of people. The reason that we see a lot of people fail in church, it becomes a competition of who gets the highest rank or who gets the most attention or who gets the best part in the church. When really it shouldn't be nothing about that. It should be what can we do for Jesus. But this 
this battle went on and this, uh, I guess, discussion went on. And we find that it was so uh, intense that uh, the devil wanted to be like God. And uh, a lot of people want to be God. Changing a gender of a child, you want to be like God. Changing what we know is moral, you want to be like God. You want to write your law. You want to write your own way. You want to be like God. It's the same thing the devil, Lucifer if you will, did in heaven. He wanted to be like God. He wanted to be worshipped like God. Now, I know that we're living in a day where a lot of people are doing a lot of things because they aren't satisfied the way God made them. I got news for us all. Some of us are made plump. Some of us are made skinny. Some of us are made with, uh, you know, um, hair. <laughs> Some of us, uh, you know, we, we go and, and I can could, I could get in. With some, some are tender-eyed, <laughs> right? And some are beautiful to look upon. Um, God made us the way he made us. I don't look in the mirror and say, boy, if God had done this, 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 and this, I'd be happy. I look in the mirror and I say, God, help me to be more like you. I don't know if you notice, Brother Jimmy, but when you take the lid off the Ark of the Covenant, you look down, it's a mirror. You see yourself. So we see us as we really are. I want to see myself as Jesus sees me. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And I want, I want him to help me to be good. I want him to help me to do great things. I want him to help me to overcome uh, the things that try to destroy uh, in my life because you know the devil wants to destroy every one of us the devil has come to steal kill and destroy that's right he's come for every one of us he's coming for your children he's coming for you he's coming for uh, the pastor he's coming for the deacon he's coming for the musicians he's coming for everybody but we got to declare God's in this place God's in this place So we see that this reunion with the brothers and uh, Goliath still talking and still bragging about what he's going to do. David probably looked around and he wanted to see who would go rushing out to defeat this old uncircumcised Philistine. And David's standing around and nobody moving. You think David just kind of said, okay, yeah, that's great. I think it agitated David. Because if you don't get mad at the devil for trying to destroy unity and trying to destroy great things happening in the church, if you don't get mad at the devil, something's wrong with you. We should get mad at the devil. Because the devil don't want you to have church. The devil don't want you to have a move of the Holy Ghost. The devil don't want you to be filled with the Holy Ghost. So if he can get you all sidetracked, looking at the giants... There ain't no way I can get the Holy Ghost. That's just too much. That's, just, that's for the pastor. That's for somebody else. But you know what? David looked around. Nobody's moving. 
I think that's interesting. That he's looking around and nobody's getting up. Here's the Goliath. Here he's bragging. I'm going to do this to y'all. And nobody's doing anything about it. Everybody just sitting around. Everybody hiding in the bushes as the Bible says. They're all just hanging out in the perimeters. They don't want to get in the battle. They're in the perimeters. Some people don't want to get in the battle today because getting in the battle is going to mess you up. You don't always come through the battle looking like you went in. Sometimes you go into a prayer and you come out and your hair's all messed up. Sometimes your suit gets wrinkled and your tie gets crooked and all these things when you go into battle. These people that go into battle and, and come look out looking the same way, I'm going to say, I don't think you fought a battle. Because I've never seen anybody go in, Brother Larry and others that's been in the military can tell you all about. When you go into battle, they come off the battlefield back to camp. They don't look the same way they did when they went out. But David's looking around, he's saying, ain't nobody moving. Ain't nobody doing nothing. Nobody wants to get up. Nobody wants to shut this pagan up. Nobody wants to shut him up. But you know what? David decided, well, if nobody else wants to, I guess that just leaves it up to me. Sometimes you're going to have to determine in your lifetime there ain't going to be people on your side and there ain't going to be people following you in a crowd. Sometimes it's just going to be you. Sometimes at work you may be the only one standing for Jesus. Sometimes in the community it may be you that has to stand and say, I can't be a part of that. Maybe it's, it's at home when you tell your children, no, we, we don't go to these places. But you know, all these things, David looked around and, and he was probably expecting everybody just to give the big battle cry and take off toward Goliath. But nobody moved. Nobody moved. He repeatedly expressed his conviction that it was the cause and not rewards that should compel a warrior to go. Someone carried word to King Saul that there appeared to be someone. They might be someone. There could be someone willing to accept Goliath's challenge. We may have somebody to fight. Now, I'm pretty sure, looking at everything in the natural, Saul probably thought, okay, where's he at? I see somebody out there that their head and shoulders above somebody. Yeah, that maybe is that him? No. No, you're looking too high. You got to lower your sights. Oh, but this is just a kid. This is just a lad. This ain't. You want this to go fight the giant? Yep. That's who said that they. Well. He, he kind of implied that he wanted to fight the giant. So what are we going to do? Well, one could only imagine when Saul looked at him how disappointed he might have been. You know, if I'm looking for somebody to go fight my battle, I'm looking for somebody besides Brother Chris, Brother Eli. I want somebody that can go out and at least, you know, be a good shield for me to hide behind.
But if you was to tell me, okay, I'm 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 going to uh, I'm going to, I'm going to give you uh, let me think, Gunner. I'm going to give you Gunner. Gunner's going. Gunner said he fights your battles. I'm going to be like, yeah. Tell Gunner to come back in about ten years. Right? And wouldn't that be the way we would naturally look at it? Because basically that's the way it looked. You got all these experienced people and they're doing nothing. And then here comes David. Saul, you're looking too high. You're looking around too much. Right here he is. Can you imagine the disappointment when instead of some mighty man standing out there going, throwing his you know, thigh out there and shaking it back and forth, showing all of his muscles. Yeah, y'all never watch bodybuilding. And stand there and turn their back to you and go, and all them muscles, all them muscles go. I do that and all you do is see chicken elbows and shoulder blades. But they's out there bragging, you know, all that. And so Saul was probably looking for somebody in that stature. Somebody's going to fight giant. He has to. How many's ever said pick on somebody your own size? So that's probably what Saul was thinking. I got to find somebody just as big as the giant. There wasn't nobody. They said, well, right here he is. But can you imagine as he found only a child, basically, a teen, don't ever think teens can't do something big for the Lord. Sometimes teens will do more than us adults. Sometimes the teens will get more done than we will. I'm pretty sure our teen department, you can go dial us back five years ago, that the teens got more people to come to church than we did. Right? That's right. It's truth, truth hurts. But truth will stand when the... <laughs> so let's look at this. Saul becomes immediately demissive. He just says this. Thou art not able to go up against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth. You can't do this. I'm not going to send a child out there to be slaughtered by a giant. I'm not going to send a teenager out there to fall in the war and battle and then have Jesse calling me every time. Why didn't you take one of my older sons? Why would you take my youngest? Why would you just take a teen? David assured Saul of his experience in the conflict and arenas and expressed his unwavering confidence in God's faithfulness. Now remember, David reminded everyone of things they didn't know. I killed a bear. I killed a lion. And this Philistine going to be just like them. You see, sometimes we forget David was out there protecting sheep. He didn't have a 30 alt 6 I don't know what you shoot bear with. What caliber you shoot bear with? <laughs> 30 alt 6 will do it. Take them out. He had a slingshot. Now, now, I don't know. I'm just saying, you meet one of these black bears here in Phelps digging through the garbage, I don't think you're going to 
get your slingshot out and say, come here. <laughs> I don't know if he hit him with a slingshot, got him in a headlock and choked him out. I don't know. But I do know that he said, I killed a bear and I killed a lion. He said, this Philistine is going to be just like that. So David then, after stating, God's going to take care of this. God's in this place. There's a God in Israel, and it's going to be proven. Saul says, okay, if you're going to go, then you've got to put on all this armor. Because if you're going to be a soldier, you've got to look like a soldier. <laughs> so... Saul put all this stuff on. I can see as they're putting on the coat of mail and all that, he keeps pushing the helmet up because it keeps falling down in his face and he keeps pushing it up. And, you know, have you ever seen a little kid in their daddy's suit jacket? And, and their hands are like this right here. Well, that's the way David looked in that armor. It was way too big for him, way too heavy for him. And David... They, they're, they're inching him on. They're saying, now you, you're dressed. you got the right appearance. And this is where we get in the world a lot today. We think just because we got the right apparel on, we can win the battle. I'm going to tell you something. If you put all your trust in what you wear instead of your God, you're going to be in trouble. So... All of a sudden, he, he, they're pushing him and nudging him, and he's like, he's like, I can't go. And they're saying, what do you mean you can't go? You said a minute ago you was going to go. So what changed my I ain't proved these. I ain't proved these. So he starts taking off the helmet, the coat of mail. He starts taking off all that armor, and, and he gets his slingshot out. And he's got him five smooth stones. And, and I'm pretty sure they're looking at amazement. They say, okay, suit yourself. But you ain't going to take the giant down without this armor. He's going to throw one punch and you're going to be dead. Throw one spear and it's over. He could throw his shield at you like a frisbee and cut your head off. Go ahead. He said, I just want you to know I'm not going in the name of David. I'm not going in the name of this army. I'm going in the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. So David... First said, you know what, I've got to uh, understand I haven't proved this. I can't use these. And so David pre prepared for the battle. It's one thing to say that we will do. It's another to follow through. It's easy to say I'll help you until somebody says I need help. It's easy to say whatever you need until there's a whatever you need, right? I mean, you know, some people says, uh, if, if you ever need anything, just let me know. I say, well, I need two weeks vacation, a million dollars. And they look at me, well, that wasn't what I meant. Well, you gotta, you gotta specify if you're gonna ask. So David prepared for battle. It's one thing to say you're gonna do it, it's another thing to do it. David no sooner received the authorization to proceed forth into the battle, he started preparing. He did not immediately and, and you know, kind of uh, looking at presumptuously or predictably, I guess you could say, rush out toward Goliath. 
Instead, he took time for proper reflection and planning. Rash choices are rarely balanced decisions. You, you do something quick, you mess up. You know, you meet somebody online, you want to get married. Be careful. Be careful. You, you meet somebody and you say, oh, they're the love of my life. Then after marriage number four, I found my soulmate. I'm just saying, I'm not, I'm not putting anybody down that's divorced. Bad things happen to good people, right? Everybody better say amen. You might find yourself on the courthouse steps. Shepherds would routinely need to protect their sheep both from beasts and from disreputable dis people who wanted to steal the sheep. And um, so a prudent shepherd would be armed with weapons for that purpose. There's no telling how many hours David spent in the pastures throwing rocks from his sling practicing. How many's ever took your gun out or your bow and arrow and target practice? You know why you do that? Be ready. So when you go out and actually are doing what you say you're going to do, you're skilled at it. That's why we can't just show up on a Sunday morning and, and expect to play an instrument. We got to practice during the week. We got to practice all sorts of times, you know, before, before we ever get to the place where we say, okay, I can play now. There's practice. There, there's practice for you. There's tests you go through. It's those practice runs. Well, I went through this little thing and I overcame it. I went through this other thing. I was able to get past it. I dealt with this person and I got victory. I, I, I've got victory over these feelings and all. And, and then something big comes. And you got to remind yourself of the little things. Because the giant's bigger than the bear. The giant is bigger than the lion. And I want to close with this. The giant's bigger than the bear. The giant's bigger than the lion. But David referred back to the little things because God gave him victory over the bear. God gave him victory over the lion. God is going to give him victory over this giant. He's going to prove there is a God in Israel. Let's give the Lord a hand. I want to use the gifts that God's give, given me. I've tried my best in my walk with the Lord that everything that God has given me, I've tried my best to use it for Him. I, I've got some weird talents, like balancing things on your nose and chin, that I don't know really why I have those talents. And, uh, but, you know, children love stuff like that. When people find out I can do it, even adults say, do that for me. I meet people I went to school with. And they say, you know what I remember about you? I said, oh, my muscular physique and my suave and debonair way of doing things. They say, I remember you used to balance things on your nose and chin. I said, yeah, that's me. <laughs> so in my high school years, if you meet some of my classmates from the past, they're not going to tell you how smart I am. They're not going to tell you how good I was. They're not going to tell you anything like that. They're going to say, 
That's the guy that used to balance stuff on his nose and chin. So with that said, brother, if you'll get me my staff, I'm going to close. Staff in there. I'm going to give you a taste of a talent I'm still looking. God, why do I have this talent? But I want to use it for you. Right? I want to use it for you. Every talent, everybody say every talent, can be used for the Lord. Every talent can be used for the Lord. One more time for the kids, because kids love this. So the Lord has given us talents. I don't know why I need that talent, but he gave it to me. It may not be a talent of your taste. It may not be a talent that you like. It may not even be a talent that you think is impressive. <laughs> but it's my talent. You got talents. Look at somebody and say, you got talents. You got talents. You got talents I may not understand. I may not understand how you think and process things. Because you got a talent that I don't have. I may not understand how you do things, but you got a talent. Use those talents for the Lord, even if it is balancing things on your chin. Amen. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand as Brother Dwayne comes. Let's give the Lord another hand clap. All of us had the same talent, and we just came here and did just one simple thing. Then it'd be a boring place to come, wouldn't it? You know, church would be very short, wouldn't it? Amen. But we've all got different talents. Amen. Some teachers, some preachers, some evangelists, some singers, and we're going to use them for the Lord. How many are going to use their talents for the Lord? Amen. To give Him all the glory. Got any birthdays or anniversaries? Any birthdays or anniversaries? Yep, I know one. Okay, there's 25, 35, 40, 41, 42, 43, 44, 45, 46. I love my wife. You can tell them how hard it's been living with me for 46 years. I'll plead the fifth. Plead the fifth. <laughs> Well, that's how you get 46 years. That's how you get 46. <laughs> you just stick it out. You just plead the fifth. Um, I thank the Lord for every single year. Uh, it's been a journey. Uh, there have been good times. There have been bad times. But together we've stuck through them. And that's, that's, the, that's the secret. you got to stick through the good. you got to stick through the bad. And sometimes it seems like the bad is uh, outweighing the good. And that's really when you've got to hang have the Lord in the midst of it, He gives you the strength to overcome the bad and remember the good and remember the love 
Yes. Amen. Amen. I'm glad she's speaking in metaphors. <laughs> no, we're human, right? We're human. And uh, they say if you can make it through the first year, that you can make it through the rest. And they say if you make it through the third year, you got it made. And if you make it through the fifth year, I'm pretty sure there was people taking uh, odds on uh, how long we was going to last. But uh, I met her in high school and uh, started dating her in high school. And then after she graduated, we got married. And uh, I remember when I proposed to her, and it was, it was under a tree up on the hill at your dad's house. And I think it was a cherry tree, peach tree. See, I'm trying to rewrite history here. So it was a peach tree. And uh, I said, you're the peach of my... I don't even know what I said. But, <laughs> but um, I looked at her, and, and I was nervous, and I was just a young kid. And I, I just, I was afraid of rejection. I was afraid she'd say no. I've been rejected a lot in my life. Maybe that's why I am the way I am in certain areas. I don't know. But um, I got... I don't know if I got down one knee, if I grabbed your hands, if I looked you face to face. Let's say I got down on one knee and the birds were chirping and little petals were flying and falling. And uh, I asked her to marry me. And she said yes. Without hesitation, she said yes. She only had one stipulation, the whole thing about marriage. And that was that she could continue her education. And I said, yeah. I'd said anything. She said, oh, you got to build me a mansion. Yeah. 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 But that was her stipulation. Well, I did my best to fulfill that. Worked a lot of overtime. We together did a lot of things. And uh, she had a good, good time as a teacher. And uh, retired now and all that good stuff. But I am, uh, I, <laughs> I am still in love with her after 46 years. And I treat her like my girlfriend. Because she is my girlfriend. Amen. I, I know how to treat the women. Get, take them to funerals sometimes. You visit the sick sometimes. And on anniversaries, you go to church. I know how to treat women. So, I love my wife. Y'all going to have to sing to us now.
You know, it was, uh, I think we got married about 12.30, was it, or something that day? 1.30? <laughs> I started getting ready at 12.30. <laughs> Go ahead, brother. <laughs> no. Give the kids a hand clap. Amen. How many's glad for the pastor and first lady of this church? How many appreciate you? Amen. Things that we do, you know, I think we're learning more and more as time goes on and we get older and hopefully get a little wiser. We see the job that they have and the burden that they have. And, and it is a burden. Amen. God gives us a burden for the yes. people. If you ain't got a burden for the people, for this community that we've been talking about, right. you better check yourself. Amen. Right. John chapter 4 and verse 22 says, Ye worship, ye know not what. But we know what we worship. Look at your neighbor and say, I know who I came to worship. Amen. See, saints of God, I didn't come to lift up Brother Dwayne's name. Right. Much as I love Brother McKinney and Sister McKinney, I didn't come to worship them. Amen. Right. Hallelujah. For salvation is of the Jews, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father. Listen to this. In spirit and in truth. Did you come to worship? Did you come for the right reason? I didn't come to lift me up. I'm nobody, amen. But Lord, help me worship in spirit and in truth, amen. I want to worship him, amen. Hallelujah, because he's worthy, amen. Hallelujah.
Sister Tito in prayer that the Lord will give her the complete healing and recovery that she needs. Also, Marvin Bentley, uh, let's remember Barbara Dove, Sue Bain, Rebecca James. Uh, Rebecca James is a person that I received a letter from from MacArthur, Ohio, and she watches the um, television broadcast every time it's on. And uh, she wrote, and she don't know what prayer cloths are, and what they're meant for. So I'm sending her prayer cloth uh, that we'll pray over today. And uh, we're going to uh, send her uh, information of why we do what we do. Because Paul, you know, handkerchiefs was taken from Paul. And, uh, and evil spirits departed and sicknesses left. And that's where we get what we do with prayer cloths. And uh, she had just been through surgery and is in a recovery process. So let's remember, and her name is Rebecca James. Let's remember her in prayer. 
Also, let's remember Paxton, Bentley, and Whitley. Let's remember all these. If you have a prayer request you'd like to make known by the raising of your hand, the Lord sees that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we come before your presence and thank you, Lord, for being the God that heals us. We thankful, Lord, that you hear our prayer and you hear our cry. And, Lord, that you are there to help us in our time of need. I pray that you would move for Rebecca James in a mighty way. All of those on our prayer list, Lord, that you would move for them and bring healing to their body and the surgeries they've been through that they will recover from. Sister Tito, that she will have a complete recovery and balance and strength. And Lord, I just pray that you would move in a mighty way for everyone in the sanctuary that raised their hand, that represents a need that they have either for themselves or for their family. Lord, I pray that you would move in a mighty way and we give you praise in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.
to come and we're going to take up today's offering given to the Lord give of your ability give of your increase just give unto the Lord because all that you give is going to turn around for a blessing to you and a blessing to others let's pray Lord we come before your presence we thank you for this opportunity that you have blessed us Lord to give in the offering You've been so good to us, Lord. You've helped us in so many ways. Lord, I pray that you would move in a mighty way for each and every one that gives, that there'll be a return. Maybe not financially, but Lord, we're asking for finances to return. But Lord, let it return spiritually, that they'll be strong and have influence and favor, that they'll be able to do great things for you. And Lord, we'll give you the praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Just a mention of his name. 
just a mention of his name just a mention of his name just a mention of his name if you walked in sick you're gonna walk out healed if you walked in bound you're gonna walk out free if you walked in heavy you're gonna walk out Just a mention of his name. Just a mention of his name. Everything can change. Just a mention of his name. Just a mention of his name. Everything can change. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. of his name at the name of Jesus hallelujah somebody say the name of Jesus hallelujah what is that name hallelujah somebody shout
you have your Bibles tonight, today, I want you to turn with me. How many believes that God is in control? He's in control of our present. He's in control of our future. He's in control of everything. Uh, one other announcement I just need to swiftly, while everybody's in the sanctuary, we do have these waivers. These waivers are for the Christian Community Center, great place that we're going to be spending a lot of time with our youth and Sunday school department. So all of our Sunday school teachers and youth leaders, you need to get some of these. I've got them right here. They'll be on the magazine rack in the back. When you run out, whoever takes the last one, make sure you tell me the last one's took, uh, and I'll run off some more. Uh, these have to be filled out ahead of time, and we turn those in so they're on file. And then we have to put in for a date uh, that we want to be down there. It's all free. There's, there's no charge. Go to Getty Land, they're going to charge you hundreds of dollars. You go to uh, Trampoline Place, they're going to charge you hundreds of dollars. We get to use this free of charge. It's better than Getty Land. It's better than Trampoline Land. It's better than a lot I have seen in Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge. And so um, if you have kids or you're 18 uh, years of age, just a quick thing. There's a thing to sign down here at the bottom for you. If you're 18 years old or older, you can fill out the middle page. If you're under age of 18, your parents have to fill this part out for you. Then we'll turn that in to the correct people. And the people will be able to uh, have that on file. We don't have to fill it out each time we go. And so, for instance, when we have a, an event, maybe a rally here, we can have a lock-in down there. And uh, if we have a uh, VBS, we can have our lock-in down here. We don't have to bust the kids to pipe for. We don't have to try to get everybody together and wait on everybody to get there. We can just leave here and go straight down there. It's just... We can almost walk to it, and uh, it, it's a first-class facility. And I will say this again. If you see, and I know they don't want no recognition, but if you was to see uh, the people that have made that possible, Woody Barker and also Hodge Harden, remember those two names because they were literally the ones that made it happen. Uh, they, they even had some... Two men from China come and help because that special order to fit that building. And they had to have people from China come over and show them how to put it together. There was a language barrier, as most of us would understand. They have an app on their phone. I've got the same app. I use it for Spanish, but you can speak into it, and it goes translates to Mandarin. That's how they communicated between each other. For all the time the two Chinese guys were in here putting it together. So with that said, it's a first class facility. And the Lord is going to get the glory. And they'll be the first to tell you that it's all for the glory of the Lord. So let's give the Lord a great hand that we have right here. In Phelps, a place. In Phelps, a place where we can have a great time with our youth. And we can use it as often as we want to. As many times it can be youth night. You know how you have sometimes youth night will be uh, taking the kids outside. 
just plan ahead. Submit that you want to be down there on a certain date. Take the kids down there during youth service. So there's going to be a lot of things that we can do because that is at our fingertips. And uh, I want to respect it. And uh, again, I mentioned to uh, the Sunday school class this morning that we're going to let them borrow our mister that uh, mists out the disinfectant that sanitizes the building. We're going to let them borrow it. And if they like it, then we're going to purchase them one and donate it to them. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Jude chapter 1. Jude chapter 1. I've been studying in Jude, and I tell you, there's just so much there. I hope we can realize that. Read, read 1st, 2nd, 3rd John and Jude. It's going to change your life forever. It will change your life forever. Jude 1 verse 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you, everybody say, from falling. From falling. And to present you faultless before the presence of his glory. Everybody say his glory. With exceeding joy. To the only wise God our Savior. Be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. Notice how that is worded because that's going to be important for us to understand. God is sovereign. He's in complete control of everything. And it doesn't matter what we go through. He's there. We talked about it this morning that, that David wanted to establish that there is a God in Israel. And I just want to just entitle this. That he is still on the throne. Look at somebody and say, God is still on the throne. Look at somebody else and shout, God is still on the throne. Our minds are overloaded. We face situations with our family, friends, and loved ones, and co-workers, but God is still on the throne. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we come before your presence and we thank you for this opportunity to stand before your precious people. Lord, I pray that you would help us to speak words of encouragement and will help lift them up and build them up and edify them. I pray, Lord, that you would move in a mighty miraculous way for each and every one that they will leave this place knowing they've been in your presence. And Lord, we know that you're still on the throne. It doesn't matter what the world looks like. It doesn't matter what the world's going through. We know that you're still on the throne. And Lord, we're going to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. Let's give the Lord another mighty hand clap. And you may be seated. We all face challenges in life, and one thing that never changes, whether it's a challenge or whether it's a valley or whether it's happiness or sadness or things that come against us, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm glad to know that when I show up in 2023, he's the same. When it turns 2024, there may be a different president. They may be a different governor or, or people that's running for election. But I want you to know that Jesus Christ stays the same. He's still on the throne. 
He's still in control. It looks like the world that we're in is out of control, spinning like a plane that has been shot down of its power and just uh, spiraling out of control. We have immorality. We have drugs and alcohol. We have all sorts of things that mess with people's minds and emotions. We have families that's fallen apart. We have saints of God that's walking away. We have all sorts of things like this going on around us. But one thing is constant. That is that God is still on the throne. I don't have to look to finances. I don't have to look to the health community. And by the way, they're getting ready once again to start talking about mask wearing and separation and shutdowns. But I've said this before, and I'll declare it again. This church is not going to shut down anymore. We're going to stand, and the doors will be open. If you don't come, you can watch. But this church is going to be open because there has to be something that says God is still on the throne. If it was like Dagon and you open up the door, the closet door, and Dagon's falling over, then we could say we'll shut the church down. If it was like Dagon who all of a sudden broke into pieces because of the power and presence of the Lord that was in that place, then we could say if our God was Dagon, then there's no use going on. But our God has never fallen. Our God our God has never fallen. He has never been broken. He has never fallen apart. He has never been put in a closet. He has never been taken out. He is still God and still on the throne. They may have put him on a cross, but he was still on the throne. They may have put him in a tomb. He was still on the throne. You don't understand what I'm saying. The God that we serve was never dead. The God that we served was never put away to never be seen except on the third day. There was something that happened. Yes, that body of flesh that was sacrificed for you and me, they put it on a cross. He gave up the ghost. They put him in a tomb. On the third day he came out. But it was still God on the throne. It was still God on the throne. Our minds are overloaded with things like that. We can't figure it out. How can God be in a tomb and still be on the throne? How can God be on a cross and still be on the throne? How can God be walking among his disciples and still be on the throne? How can he be here today and still be on the throne? It's because you cannot contain him. You cannot bind him. You cannot put him in any, in any perimeter. You have to say, God, God is God, and God don't never change. God is God, and Jesus is his name. He's on the throne. He's still on the throne. He's still in control. He still has power. 
Why is the world in such a shape if God's on the throne? God left it up to man to be a free moral agent. He left it up to us. We're going to choose this day whom we're going to serve. You read in the Word of God. Read your Bible. It's a fascinating book. We find that in the Word of God, it begins to say that he put good and evil before them, right and wrong before them, and he said, choose it. He said, choose good that you may live. Choose life. Don't choose death. But people's choosing death all the time. All you got to do is walk out these doors and you'll see people that have chosen death. All you got to do is see families that are struggling with each other and, and use, utilizing children as pawns in their chess game. And you see that there's always something going on that is tearing families down and the unity of families. If you can get a family unit tore up, if you can tear down the family, the church don't stand a chance because we have to understand our future is in our family. If divorce is the norm, if children being split up between two parents is the norm, if life is immoral is the norm, then something's wrong with the church and something's wrong with society. God is still on the throne. He can heal. If we, if we declare that my God can heal, he can put a family back together. He can put people back together. If our God can do anything but fail, he can put things back together. God's in control of the church. The Bible gave the order of the church. It's the head of the church. Is Jesus. Jesus is the head of the church, which means he's in control of the church. He tells the church how to do, how to act, how to dress, where to go, where they can't go. If you got an argument, you got an argument with God, not with the pastor. Because we understand God's on the throne. He's the one that makes the rules. He's the one that makes the guidelines. He's the one that gives us the manual to life. He's the one that gave us his word written in, in ink. But he also gave us his word when the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hallelujah. I'd like to say today that God's still on the throne. He's in control of everything. Why is chaos everywhere? Why is sickness running rampant? Why are we living in, in a time when it just seems like everything's going south? I'm going to tell you because the Lord's coming back. He's getting ready to get off the throne and getting ready to split the... I'm going to tell you, he's getting ready to get up. He's getting ready to get off the throne. And he's getting ready to come back. Who's coming back for us? The Lord God Almighty. Who's going to take us out of here? The Lord God Almighty. Who is that? That is Jesus Christ. He's coming back. He said, I'm coming back for a glorious church. I'm coming back for a church without spot, without wrinkle. I'm coming back. Why is this world a mess? He said that's the way it would be when he comes back. Why is people walking away, falling away, discouraged and don't care about church? He's coming. Why are people so wrapped up in the world of immorality and all of the sin? Because he's coming. Why is there disease everywhere? He's coming. 
Why is there something that we look at and say, I don't understand why God don't come down and just wipe that community out or that family out or that situation out? He's coming. And when he comes, he'll take care of business. You won't have to worry about the families he's going to take out because he's going to take out some. You won't have to worry about those that maybe have been your enemy and give you a hard time. He'll take care of those. You just keep serving Jesus. You just keep believing he's on the throne. You keep coming to church like you're supposed to. You keep saying, I'm going to sacrifice to be in the house of God because he's coming. I'm going to live right because he's coming. I'm going to live holy because he's coming. I'm going to sacrifice because he's coming. He's still on the throne, but it's not going to be long. He's going to be getting up. He's going to be getting up because the world has got into such a shape that he's going to say, I'm going to take the world out. I'm going to burn it with fire and brimstone. It's going to be destroyed. There's going to be a renovation. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. There's going to be something changed because the world has got so wicked. He wanted to wipe them out in Noah's day. He wanted to wipe them out in other people's day. But there was people that stood up and and said, no, God, don't wipe them out. Some of them might be saved. Some of them might give their life to you. Don't take them out yet. Just give a little time. We ought to be praying, Lord, I know that you're coming back, but I want a little time to work with my family. I want a little time to witness to my family. Well, don't give up on your family. Don't give up on your husband. Don't give up on your wife. Don't give up on your children. Don't give up. God is on the throne. Every problem that has, every problem that arises has its roots from a decision outside of God's will. I'm going to say that again. Every problem that arises has its roots from a decision outside of God's will. Moving out of God's will never brings His blessings. Lives are a mess, and the only way they ever get back in order is to come to Jesus. And say, Jesus, I need help to get my life in order. I need help. You see, it starts with self. Because if we can't get ourselves in order, they ain't no use to pray for anything else. They ain't no use to pray for everybody else and say, Lord, touch them, touch them, touch them. When, when you need touched yourself. So we got to understand that every problem that arises has its roots from a decision made outside of God's will. Every problem I face, every problem you face arises from moving out of God's will. Why is this happening to me? Why am I going through this? Why am I having to deal with this? I don't understand this. You're moving out of God's will. It's simple. It's a simple thing. You move out of God's will. No, I'm perfect. No, you're not. I'm not. You're not. Nobody's perfect. But we do understand that every decision and every, every move we make is either going to bring blessing or cursing. Every problem arises. It has its roots. Every problem. Not every solution. Not every situation that's good, but every problem. Anybody got any problems beside me? Anybody got any problems? Just go ahead and wave your hands in there and say, I got problems. Well, I'm going to tell you, 
we can get those problems taken care of because why God's on the throne. That's right. I, I don't, I don't want to carry my, I, I tell you what, I wish I had a backpack. I, I, I'm not going to carry my problems around in a sack. I'm not going to carry my problems around from day to day, from church service to church service. Oh, well, I almost went to the altar. You better come to the altar. Well, I almost prayed through. You better pray through. I almost got the Holy Ghost. You better get the Holy Ghost. Why drag stuff from service to service and from day to day when you can lay it at the feet of Jesus? What he said to us, he said, cast all your care upon me. You see, he cares for us. If we believe that, we ought to lay down everything. There shouldn't be nothing we carry out of this building. You believe he can do that? You believe he's on the throne? You believe he's able right now that you can just let, come to this altar and just lay down everything that bothers you and walk away from it? And don't pick it back up. And the devil's going to come. He'll come after church. He'll come on Monday morning, just like he did with Brother Dwayne, and just say, well, you're going to die. You're going to stroke out. you got, you know, sugar that's way too high. But no, we just believe God. You just keep walking, and you just keep believing God. God's in control of my body. God's in control of my body. He's in control of my mind. No, he's not making us walk around like robots, but he's able to take care of everything we give to him. And he said, you got to love me with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Present yourself a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable reasonable service. And we got to look and see that, yes, our body is, no longer belongs to us. It's my body. I'll do what I want to. Do what I want to. No, it's not your body. You don't need to be tattooing it up. You don't need to be piercing it out. You don't need to be carving on your flesh. I'm just saying, you don't need to treat your body like it's some just slab of meat and, and, and spend your time laying with everybody. Somebody shout, God owns my body. My body belongs to Him. He's in control of my body. He's in control of my workplace. He's in control of my home. He's in control of my finances. He's in control of everything. He's in control of this church. Every minister, every saint, every body and everything, God is in control. I want to encourage you. Yes, life is terrible we're living in a time where it seems like that prices is going up and wages are going down you go through mcdonald's and it takes you two hours to get your meal ain't nothing about happy about a happy meal at that point you find yourself trying to get through something to get something done and every time you Get ready to pull out. There's somebody pulling out in front of you. There's somebody going 25 in a 55. You find all these frustrations. Or is it just me? I'm glad it happens to you all so you all understand how pastor feels. 
So we all understand. But you know what? God's in control. Maybe he's saving us from something. Maybe he's helping us and we don't know it. How can God be helping me when i got to get to my appointment and I'm going to be late? God's helping you. we got to understand that if he's in control and chaos is everywhere and sickness is running rampant, then we got to realize that all he has to do is just speak to our lives and keep our eyes on the master. Keep our focus on the master. Don't look around and say, look at that and look what they're getting to do. I don't care what the next church gets to do. I don't care what the next church allows. I don't care if the pastor allows them to show up in bathing suits and all of that. I do not care. But I do care what happens right here because God is still on the throne so somebody say I gotta look ahead I gotta look ahead I can't look to the left I can't look to the right there was things that 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 the Bible begins to tell us everything that we need to know and it says that that even the Lord looked to his left and his right and there was no God beside him you see we need to quit looking to our left and right trying to find another God I'm not talking about theology. I'm talking about something you want to serve. Something you want to do. I just walk out of church and I'll do my life and then I'll come back in when I want to. No, you won't. You know why you won't? Because God may look at you and say, you walked away, I didn't call you back. You better be careful what you think you can do. I'll just, uh, you know, backslide and then marry who I want to and come back into church and everything be good. No, it won't. You may be coming back to nothing. Oh, the church will still be singing. The church will still be praising. The church will still be worshiping. But you walk back into nothing. Every chaotic thing, every chaotic problem, Every chaos that breaks out in any family, any community is not of God. God's still on the throne. He's going to keep my mind while I run this race. Lord, keep my mind while I run this race. Lord, keep my heart while I run this race. Lord, guide my hands while I run this race. I don't want to run this race. I don't want to run this race. I don't want to run this race in vain. We got to understand that we got to consider the passage of Scripture that John hears Jesus speaking. He says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I am Alpha and Omega. He is the Almighty. If He is the Almighty, go back to verse 8 in Revelation chapter 1. You find that He is the Almighty. Look at that last two things that is said. I want you to know it's not talking about somebody who can't. It's not talking about somebody who doesn't have the ability. He is the Almighty. Yeah. 
He's coming back for a church that believes he's still on the throne. He's still the Almighty. There is no God beside him. Everything's in his control. Nothing has changed in heaven. All that changed in heaven was Lucifer ain't there no more and the third of the angels is gone. But I want you to know heaven is a perfect place. Heaven is going to be a complete place because the third of the angels that left heaven, the church is going to go up in heaven and we're going to take the place of what was lost. God said, I'm going to bring you up. Come up higher. Oh, somebody ought to shout. I'm not looking for things just to usher in a new heaven and a new earth. I believe there's going to be a resurrection and the dead in Christ are going to rise first. I believe there's going to be a first resurrection and there's going to be a second resurrection. You don't want to have part in the second or last has no power. There's going to be a great white throne judgment and there's going to be the judgment seat of Christ. And we got to know what we're going to stand before and what, what part we want to be in. I've heard people start talking about the great white throne judgment. They say, oh, I can't wait to stand before the great white throne judgment. Go read your Bible. You may not want to be there. That's right. That's right. Different theologies need to fly out the door and take this right here and say, this is what the Word says. That's right. People say, oh, I got this idea of what that means. Big deal. I got a nose, you got a nose. We got noses. Some's just bigger than others. Right? But what does the Word say? He's still on the throne. Does it matter if we know that 10 million army and all the, uh, you know, the valley and all the battle and, and who's, how it's going to be ushered in and all that where people's eye sockets are consumed in their head and all the nuclear war. Does it really matter? All that really matters is we know he's on the throne and that we have made ourselves ready. Because I'm going to tell you, we can sit on this earth and argue about whether the rapture takes before, mid, or, or post. But I'm going to tell you, they ain't going to save no souls. We can argue about things in the Word of God all day long, but that's going to hinder our ability to go out and witness. Now, I believe we need to read the Word, study the Word, and, and try our best to understand the Word from Genesis to Revelation. But I'm going to tell you, when you're talking to a sinner, you don't say, well, they was this ten-horned beast. And Daniel had this dream. No, you don't talk about stuff like that. You got to tell them Jesus loves them. You start the Sunday school lessons with adults. Jesus loves you. He died on the cross for you. He gave his life for you. And wouldn't you like to serve him? 
I don't know how to serve him. Well, you start by repenting. I don't know what repentance is. Well, you start asking forgiveness for breaking his will, his commandments, his word, the things you've done wrong in life. And, and you ask forgiveness and you want forgiveness and cleansing of it. And that's how you start. And then what do I do? You got to get baptized. Well, somebody said I could get sprinkled. The Bible doesn't say that. Somebody said I could get baptized in this way or that way. The Bible only says one way to get baptized. And that is in the name of Jesus Christ we find go ahead that's clapping time just because I talk fast you can stop me anytime clapping stops me from talking but we find something then then oh we got to have the Holy Ghost well what's the Holy Ghost have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe we don't even know whether there be any Holy Ghost you know why because we don't teach our kids about the Holy Ghost they don't see us have the Holy Ghost at home they see us shout at church, oh, hallelujah, you tie my tie, we'll tie each other's tie. Woo! And then we go home and we're cussing them out and we're, we're fighting and swarping and carrying on and praise God, I this and that. That's not the Holy Ghost. Your children need to see the Holy Ghost. Your grandchildren need to see the Holy Ghost in your life. Your great-grandchildren's going to need to see the Holy Ghost in your life. Why he's still on the throne, we can't control this world even if we tried. I can't change you even if I tried. You can't change me even if you tried. But you know what? God can. He's still on the throne. He has all power. He's sovereign. He can speak and things happen. He can say and it's done. He can look and say, let there be and it is. We find that it says immediately I was in the spirit. Behold a throne set in heaven and one. Everybody say one. one. One sat on the throne. It's not going to be a wide throne with three. It's not going to be a throne with one on one side and one on the other. And you got God, big God, little God, medium sized God. God said there's no God beside him. So I don't know what these people are going to say. Well, now, you know, the Holy Ghost is going to be standing beside him. The Holy Ghost is God. He said, I don't see no God beside me. He's not going to give his glory to nobody else. He's not going to change it because somebody got this wild idea of some theology that this is what he really meant. I don't care how educated the theologians get. I know a lot of educated, dumb people. And I know a lot of smart, uneducated people. But I will tell you this, anybody that looks and says that there's more than one God, I have to question their intellect. I have to question what are you believing. You're not reading the same Bible I'm reading. You're not reading about the one that sits on the throne. You're not reading about the Jesus that I'm serving that never changes. You're not looking at the one that says I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. You're not looking at the one that says I'm Alpha and Omega. That is the first letter of the Greek alphabet and the last letter of the Greek alphabet. That's like me saying in English, he's my A and he's my Z. He's everything to me. He's my beginning. He's my end. He's what I need when I wake up in the morning. Let's stand. Musicians and singers can come. He that sat on the throne is like jasper and a sardine stone in appearance and was a rainbow around the throne. 
and appearance like an emerald round the throne were 24 thrones. And on the thrones I saw 24 elders, not God's, sitting clothed in white robes. They had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunders, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are seven spirits of God. Before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes front and back. Man, it sounds like there's, there's a vision there that we really can't comprehend. But it's not the creatures, the elders. It's not the sea of glass. It started out saying it's... He who's on the throne. I don't know about you, but I I want to always remember he's on the throne. Nothing's going to take me down. He's on the throne. Nothing's going to take you out. You don't know, Pastor. I'm I'm that close to backsliding. Right here's where you lengthen the lengthen the cord. Right here. Right here. The altar is to be used for people that want victory, have victory, want to keep victory, have loved ones that's lost. The world is brainwashing our children if you didn't know. The world is brainwashing our children. It's more exciting at Halloween to have all the ghouls and goblins. Drive by people's homes right now. Take a little trip with me up raccoon after a while. It's not little Casper. It's 10 and 12 feet Goblins, witches, ghouls. That's just, uh, no, that's evil. But I'm going to do that, Pastor, and I don't see nothing wrong. Well, go ahead. Don't come crying to me when evil spirits is running into your bedroom, running into your home, and your kids come home demonic possessed. Don't want to mind anything, don't want to do anything they're rejecting parental authority you have to go to somebody else because I warned you ahead of time my hands are washed but this altar helps you lengthen the space between you and backsliding that's why I you may not understand everything I ask you to do and I don't communicate well. And maybe the next pastor will give you a better understanding. But that's why I ask for everybody to come to the altars. Come to the altar. Come to the front. Get as close as you can and pray. Because I want you to lengthen the distance between you and backsliding.